Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And we have the band back together. We're on a mission from God. That's right. We are on a mission from God. Uh, and uh, I gotta go see the penguin earlier later on. That's what they called the nun in that nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. in that movie. Terribly irreverent movie. But all that aside, uh, we're happy to be here. Thomas P. Dorian, yes, happy sir. that you're sitting here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, you didn't eat all the donuts. You saved some for us, and I appreciate that. I'm here uh, for you. And Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. We're so happy that you're here as well. And uh, and wow, we got a whole other kind of series we're going to do here. Um, we we have you sound done. so excited. I know. I'm, well, I'm excited. I can tell. Uh, you know, we've done uh, a series on the uh, Joyful Mysteries. Yeah. Or is it sorrowful? No, we did joyful. We did joyful. In we October, did joyful. Yeah. Yes, and so uh, so that was uh, it was a big hit. Yeah, probably some of the uh, some entries into our greatest hits programs category. But that aside, we're going to do the luminous mysteries. Hey, yeah, the lumin- <laughs> the luminous mysteries. Which are, I mean, they're, they're, they're you all right, Sam? I, 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 that surprised all of us, you know. You know, Sam swallowed a, he swallowed a frog. <laughs> and uh, we just started serving frog legs here at yes, the Catholic yes. Cafe. We're test marketing them. Yes. So far, you're the only one that's eaten it. <laughs> so, uh, they're delicious. Yes. So, so uh, this is, this is going to be great because uh, the Luminous Mysteries, I mean, they're fairly new on the scene. You know, in Catholic, you know, speak. Yeah. They're brand new. Oh, yeah. Because uh, while they've been around for, I guess, 20 years or so. Yeah, in Catholic speak, the church that's 50 years old is still new. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and John Paul II uh, added these mysteries. Uh, and I know some people are, like, not sure if they should do these. They're like, well, wait, I was raised this way, and we have these three sets of mysteries uh, which equals 150 Hail Marys, which is like the Psalms, mm-hmm. you know. And there's, we talked a little bit about that in our first show about the Rosary uh, in the Joyful Mysteries. And we talked a little bit about that history, but I, I got to tell you, I, I like doing these series because uh, it, it just allows us an opportunity for something that is quite common in Catholic world. Yeah, right. You look at any movie that's got anything Catholic in it, and the director's going like, bring in the rosary, you know, and they'll put rosaries on people and hang them around their necks and hang them on the wall and swing them in front of this, and the devil hates the rosary, which the devil does hate the rosary, by the way. But, uh, but, you know, and so a lot of times it's become so second nature to Catholics. Yeah. Uh, You know, the, 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 the wonderful holy people that will come on a Saturday morning, you know, at three o'clock in the morning or whatever it seems like to me at the church and sit there and pray rosaries for, for the betterment of all of us, for the graces that we all need as, as a church. God bless them. But, you know, they just they, they, they just pray this rosary, pray the, they're just going through the rosary. And sometimes, like for me, when I'm praying something like the rosary, I can very easily devolve into just sort of like uh, what uh, Father uh, Jim Blunt called a machine gun rosary. Yeah. You know, where it's just a, a, just a rapid fire kind of, a rote memorization, and you're kind of just saying things, and you're saying this, and then you say that, and you say that, then you're doing the sign of the cross, and you go home. And I'm not saying everyone does that, but yeah. 
I think it's always a good thing uh, for all of us to sort of stop and maybe spend a little more time on each mystery. Yeah. Um, and and talk more about that so that when we do pray those particular mysteries within the context of the rosary, that really it's a little more meaningful because we've done a deep dive into uh, each one of these mysteries. And so right. our listeners have found it beneficial. Uh, and so we're going to continue in this endeavor till we get through all the mysteries of the rosary. Yeah. And we may even add some new mysteries ourselves. We were talking about that <laughs> earlier. We, we haven't come up with any good mysteries yet. But, but you know, stay tuned. The Catholic Cafe is always on the cutting edge of, uh, of devotion. All that said, I'm just teasing. We're not going to do that. Don't write letters, everyone. We're, we'll leave that to, uh, to all the... Scratch the salty mysteries? Scratch no, them. no salty mysteries. Okay. You know. When Jesus was being salty to the Pharisees. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Because there's some there's some good ones here. You you uh, and now the the second salty mystery. You brood of vipers. You hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> we're gonna pray these every time we get mad at somebody. <laughs> you know? Lord, give me the grace. No, we're not gonna do that. But we are gonna talk about the luminous mystery. Sam, tell tell us a little bit about what the luminous mysteries are all about. Well, they were they were uh, they're also known as the mysteries of light. Yeah. Um, they, they were instituted as part of the rosary by uh, Pope John, uh, Pope Saint John Paul II uh, in 2002. So I mean that's a very recent addition, you know. Mm-hmm. Insofar as I mean, for us, for people who were born in 2003, 2002 sounds very old. That's right, ancient, ancient, ancient right? Before yeah. I was born, right, right, right. But for us, you know, it, 2002 seems. Like fairly recent history. I was, I was paying a hefty mortgage payment <laughs> in 2002. <laughs> so uh, the traditions of the Rosary they go back many centuries, you know, to the days of Saint Dominic. We talked right. about this in our first episode, and and so uh, you know, with the luminous mysteries, one thing that Pope Saint John Paul uh, II made clear is that they're optional. And we'll make that make that clear. It's not like it's a required thing to. Right, the luminous by mysteries. The way. Yeah, I didn't well, know, you know I read the notes. But then there's also because you know there's certain days that have been in small t tradition have been appointed to each of the different mysteries, right? Yeah. On different days, if you're going to pray throughout the week and you're going to pray a rosary a day, mm-hmm. um, you know you can do that. And then they so they just kind of like said, well, let's kind of redo that a little bit, and like we'll stick the luminous mysteries on Thursdays, right? Right. Um, but it is it's a it's a personal devotion. It's a private devotion. Right. You can do it in public with others, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but really, you know, within reason, you can pray any of the sets of mysteries on any given day sure. for a specific need. You know, when you go to a, a funeral, some people want to do the sorrowful mysteries, if you, you know, in a, at a visitation or something like that. And then sometimes some people want to do the glorious mysteries. Remember the resurrection. So there's just lots of different ways to do that. So the luminous mysteries, like the other ones, but really, you know, adding the luminous in is optional. But there's some great blessings, I think, in the luminous mysteries. Well, I mean, there's a there's a big jump in the timeline between the fifth joyful mystery, finding the Lord in the temple when he was, you know, what twelve years old, something Let's, like then that. Then fast forward to the end. <laughs> then, fa- then you all of a sudden you're fast forwarding to the agony in the garden. If you go straight from. The, uh, the joyful mysteries to the sorrowful mysteries. And so one of the reasons is to, you know, obviously Christ walked this planet for 33 years. And there's, right. there's a huge period of time from when he was 12 until he was 30 that we don't know about mm-hmm. uh, or know very little about. But from uh, age 30 to 33, that's really what's being focused upon here. Right. And it does bridge into 
uh, you know, the sorrowful mysteries. Insofar as you know, the fifth sorrowful, uh, fifth luminous mystery is the uh, institution of the Eucharist, which obviously happened right before the agony in the garden. That's right. So, and, and one thing that's some people might find interesting historical tidbit that uh, actually, uh, well, they originally they didn't originally. From Pope Saint John Paul, necessarily there was a, there actually there was a priest in Malta who's been sainted, who uh, who promoted mysteries of light, and they're the same mysteries as these. And so there's some question as to the origins of these. And then something else that people, our listeners, may want to think about as they listen to. Um, some say that the luminous mysteries are actually created to to uh, unfold the sacraments. That yeah. actually, as you are. Uh, praying through you know you can reflect on baptism and confirmation you can reflect on uh, marriage you can reflect upon uh, confirmation yeah um you can reflect upon uh anointing of the sick and various so anyways long story short um there's a lot of different ways that a person can look at the luminous mysteries and unpack them and ultimately if you think about it you know, regardless of whether or not you're somebody who includes luminous mysteries in your rosary, these are important episodes on, in Scripture. And mm-hmm. so we're, ultimately what we're doing is we're meditating upon these pa- passages in right. Scripture together. And, uh, and so that, that's what we're doing in this episode. Right. So some would argue that the, the luminous mysteries uh, afford them the opportunity to really ponder uh, Jesus at work. Yeah. Right. What, you know, and so not like sort of a thing of the past, but really like what Jesus did and yeah. is doing for us uh, in, in all of this. And the Luminous Mysteries are kind of beautiful in that way. So, you know, you can look at this as a series, as an opportunity uh, to meditate upon the key moments in Scripture and to pray for specific fruits and meditating upon those Scripture passages. So we just uh, recently had the baptism of the Lord. Yeah. This is one of those days where it's not on a Sunday. It's on, uh, you know... It, uh, the day that, because well, we moved um, the uh, uh, Epiphany to Sunday, yeah. So then it's instead of the Sunday after Epiphany, it ends up being uh, the Monday after the Sunday of Epiphany. Mm-hmm. So it can be kind of confusing. But baptism of the Lord, we just experienced that. We yeah. just had we just celebrated that in the church, uh, which is the close of the the, the Christmas season. Um, and so now we're we're going to look at um, the 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 fruit. Because uh, that's one of the things we're doing is looking at the fruits of these things. Yeah. Right? What, what, what fruit they would bear in our lives when we were meditating upon them, when we're praying uh, in these. And so uh, the, the fruit for this particular, um, uh, this particular mystery, uh, the baptism of the Lord, is openness to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna think about that. And so w- what we're going to do is... Like we always do, we'll we'll read a scripture passage, and we'll read the scripture passage that the church had selected uh, in year A for um, um, the baptism of the Lord. And there's a lot in there to ponder, and we'll kind of break that open here. But let's uh, let's let's listen to this, but then sort of ask ourselves and challenge ourselves uh, about openness to the Holy Spirit as we're listening to these words. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me? Jesus said to him in reply, Allow it now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, saying, 
This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. So what does that teach us about uh, openness to the Holy Spirit, Sam? Well, actually, the first thing that comes to mind, you know, is that openness to the Holy Spirit begins with a yes to God. You know, even if we lack, have, uh, let's say, hesitations, uh, or if we, we lack understanding, or if we feel unworthy, uh, and, and I say that because, you know, normally we would focus on Jesus, right? I think it's important to look at St. John the Baptist, uh, because at first, uh, at least just to begin our conversation, because at first he tried to refuse uh, Jesus's request to be baptized. He said, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me? And it's interesting because the answer that Jesus gives is he says, allow it now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Those are, those are words that like, that's leave it to Jesus to say something. We go like, wait, what did he mean? Right, right. I mean, <laughs> I mean does anyone actually think St. John the Baptist, as holy and amazing as he was, that he understood fully. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus, for explaining that fully <laughs> yeah, to me. Right. I don't think he probably did understand, right? right? And and so, and honestly, for me, when I look at it, I don't know at first what that means. What comes to mind, there's a there, St. Maximus, of, or I don't know if he's been sainted, Maximus of Turin. Okay. Uh, he's an early church father. Uh, he has a famous homily that he gave in like the fourth century, and a lot of times it's, it's used in the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. There's a lot of times it's used in... Uh, you know, the office of readings every year during that same time. I want I actually grabbed a little piece of this right. because I think it's helpful to understand what Jesus meant when he said that it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So, so Maximus of Turin says, someone might ask, why would a holy man desire baptism? Listen to the answer. Christ is baptized, not to be made holy by, by the water, but to make the water holy and by his cleansing purify the waters which he touched. For the consecration of Christ involves a more significant consecration of the water. For when the Savior is washed, all water for our baptism is made clean, purified at its source for the dispensing of baptismal grace to the people of future ages. Christ is the first to be baptized, then so that Christians will follow after him with confidence. Yeah, see, that's and that's a beautiful notion. And, I mean, it's essentially he's inaugurating that sacrament in this way yes. for all of us. And I love that notion that the – because people it's, – it's a conundrum. We've already done a show about it uh, actually several years ago. Like, why would Jesus get baptized? Yeah. Because everyone goes, well, don't you Christians believe that Jesus was without sin? Right. And isn't the point of being baptized washing away sin? Right and, and now, in a way, in a sort of basic sense, yes. Right. Except Jesus did not sin, so why would he need baptism? And it's like, so this is this uh, Maximus of Turin kind of explains one of the things that the church has always taught, and that that Jesus essentially is blessing the water, is consecrating the water, is purifying the water, so that it can then be used. It's almost like, uh, you know. At, at the beginning of of creation, when God would would created all these different things, and he would look at the end of each day and say, and he'd look upon it and say, "Ah, it, it is good." Right, right. Um, and and so then it the world falls into sin, and everything's yeah. sort of disordered at that point when sin enters the world. Uh, it's almost like Jesus is sort of reclaiming the water, yeah. the waters of creation. 
uh, and saying, no, 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 this water is good, and water is good, and water is to be used from this point forward is a sign, uh, but an efficacious sign of, of purification. Right. Right, which is the nature of the sacrament. Well, and so in that same word, that lines up perfectly with Jesus' words, too, which is, it is fitting to fulfill uh, all righteousness, but it's not likely that St. John the Baptist understood this, you know, by Jesus' answer, right? And, right. And it's interesting, too, because, like, as, as you were saying this and we we're thinking this through, I'm thinking, you know, the word Trinity. Obviously, Trinity is a core dogma of our faith. It wasn't until the Council of Nicaea, also in the 4th century, that we had a theology of the Trinity properly stated. Right. right? And, and by the way, when, when someone says to you, you know, not happy with your Catholic faith or really doesn't understand, they say things like, we know the word purgatory is not even in the Bible. You guys just invented that. Well, yeah. okay, we didn't invent the Trinity. Right. And the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Right, exactly. Right. So right. It's interesting to note that. And it really wasn't until the the the, 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 the Middle Ages with St. Thomas Aquinas that we finally had a, the, the proper doctrine for the Eucharist, right? right. The transubstantiation. And so, you know, St. John the Baptist, he's sitting here, he's hearing Jesus say, it is necessary to fulfill all righteousness, right? He probably didn't understand what that meant. Right? But John the Baptist trusted. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he trusted that Jesus knew better than he did, and he listened to Jesus, and he obeyed. And so that's what the, that's what came, comes to mind first with, you know, we cannot have openness to the Holy Spirit if we're not willing to follow God's lead, including when we lack understanding of what God may be asking of us. You know, and I'm going to stop there again and and just point out that, like, how many times in life do things happen with us, to us, around us that we don't understand? Right. And and yet we want to, like, try to find our way out of whatever mess we're in. And the reality is we we just need to trust God. And if we trust God, those things that we don't, we don't understand, they start to become more clear. Well, literally, God, through the Holy Spirit desires to bless us with understanding, right? I mean, understanding yes. is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it must begin with an understanding that there is a God and he is not me. Yes. You know, and we cannot afford to be stubborn. We can't afford to demand to have everything figured out on the front end. Yes. Trust trust is connected directly to humility. Yes. Right. You, you cannot trust someone if you're not humble. Well, I say this to friends of mine who are on a, a journey, possibly near the Catholic Church, but they might have, you know, whether they're coming from an agnostic atheist background or they're coming from a, a Protestant background, there, there are things about the Catholic Church that rub them the wrong way. You know what I mean? And, and what I say to them is, listen, something is calling you to the Mass, something is calling you to the Eucharist, and at some point... It, you you know you're not going to be able to have it all figured out. You're not going to be able to have all the answers. But if you feel that the God of the Eucharist is calling to your heart from the Eucharist, you know, and that He's the God right. of the universe, then at some point we have to just set aside the fact that you know what I don't get it all. Mm-hmm. But God's and, calling me to do and this. And that's a beautiful notion, Sam. That 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 ability to trust. I, I've been involved in uh, RCIA now OCIA for years and years and. I, I honestly wish I had a nickel for every time that somebody in that class came and said, like, you know, Deacon Jeff, I, I just, I don't know if I can believe this. Yeah. I just, you know, and then I would, I would teach them the prayer, like, help me in my unbelief, you know. Right. But at the same time, it's like, look, another way to look at this is to say um, that you, you are required to come into the church. You are required to assent. Yes. 
to all the teachings of the church, which may mean that there are still some inherent human doubts because we're human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's okay to doubt. I, I'm sure there are many a priest that's consecrating Eucharist going like, Lord, is this really happening? Right. And, and, and I'm not saying that everyone thinks that and doubts that way, but I am saying that uh, I agree that with you in, in this thing, it's like, just give yourself over. Yeah. Just give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. Give yourself over to God and say, Lord, I don't know where this is exactly going to take me. And I don't know that I could ever explain any of this stuff to you, you know, back to you as as you've explained it to me. But I'm just going to say yes. Well, God moves in mystery. And so we have to be willing to let him move in mystery in us and through us. And that ultimately was openness to is what openness to the Holy right. Spirit is all about. Right. And, and, you know, so far we've been focusing on St. John the Baptist, but Jesus is the one who's getting baptized. So maybe we should shift our attention to him. You know, what is it that happens to Jesus when he's baptized? If we see almost immediately the heavens were opened for him. You, you know, that's what God wants to do for us. Does that mean that we'll, we'll all see heavenly visions like Tom? No. <laughs> <laughs> Every morning he looks in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, I mean, it's possible that we'll see heavenly visions, but that's not the norm. However, you know, openness to the Holy Spirit will open the heavens for us. It opens every. It opens up a relationship with God right. for us, which is essentially... Uh, um, uh, giving us access to heaven. Yeah, well, God desires to pierce that veil that separates heaven from earth within us. He desires to build us up in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, courage, piety, fear of the Lord. You know, Holy Spirit desires to form Christ in us. You know, if we look at what happened to Jesus, a voice comes down from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Another name for the Holy Spirit is spirit of the adoption of the children of God. You know, openness to the Holy Spirit is openness to being adopted by God, received and loved as a child of God. It's about divine sonship, or if you're a woman, divine daughtership. The baptism of the Lord, is a, it's a Trinitarian event. So likewise, our baptism is a Trinitarian event. The Holy Spirit depends, descends upon us to form Christ in us for the glory of the Father, that we may receive the blessing of the Father by and through him. And, and so we can be renewed in these graces and these blessings every day. By seeking openness to the Holy Spirit. And, and it's by this openness that we become open to the incarnational nature of our faith. You know, Christ desires to continue his incarnation in us by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Father. But yeah, this is only made possible yes. by our willingness, our humility, our ability to trust and to say yes. Yeah, and to cooperate with him. Right, we've, yes. we, we've got to cooperate. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so then... This is going to lead us to ask some questions of ourselves. Yes, some challenges. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, it might be a little challenging. So things like, am I being open to the Holy Spirit in my day-to-day life? I, don't answer now, Radio Land, because um, <laughs> these are challenging. Right. Because there's a number of times that I don't. Oh, sure. Right. St. Paul tells us that we should pray without ceasing in the Spirit. Like, are we doing that? Right, right, right. You know, I think about the times that, uh, you know, you see something like a newscaster, there's a tragedy or something. He's just like, right. you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. Right. And I wonder if that newscaster actually sits, gets down on his knees yeah. and actually lifts that person up in prayer. I mean, are we, are we genuine right. in, 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 our, in our prayer life? Uh, but then am I sometimes stubborn, selfish, and hard-hearted to God? 
Mm. Okay, so that's like I'm pointing the finger right at me. Right, right. Right? You know, we want to fix everything ourselves, and we don't necessarily trust. Are there places in my life where I'm turning away from God, running away from him, hiding from him? Yeah. Like our first parents. Right. Like, oh, he won't even notice I'm standing behind this bush. (laughs) Right. How often we do things like that. Are there signs in my life that are persisting precisely because... I don't want to change. Are there sins in my life? Like, am I, am I in sin? Is it continuing? It's like, I don't want to change. Yeah. Or even if there's like this guttural desire to change, mm. I'm not willing to do something about it. I'm not willing to make any changes. Right. I just, I want the change to happen to me rather than me starting that change, trusting God and moving in that direction. Are there questions that I'm not presenting to God because I don't want to hear the answer? Yeah. Man. That's another one. Yeah. That's that's really challenging. It sounds like an examination of conscience, doesn't it? In a in a very real way, Tom, I, I think that you know, and we don't do that enough. No, I agree. Some people do it, but again it can become rote, you know, they do right. that kind of thing where they an examine before they go to bed, which is a gr- a good and holy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But an examine is no good unless you're willing to make a change. Well, right. like you said earlier, hear, a, hear a, the a, answer. An openness to the Holy Spirit requires humility, and if you want humility, you got to look for sources of pride in your life and our and we have to upend them intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want to be open to the Holy Spirit, we got to root this stuff out. Absolutely. And am I receiving myself as a child of God? Am I receiving God as a loving father? Am I allowing God to speak those words over me? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And, you know, am I, do I consider myself beloved and Mm. break that word apart to be loved? Mm. Am I allowing myself to be loved by God? So these are all kinds of questions. Uh, You know, we can get into despair and hopelessness and low self-esteem. The reality is, God loved us into existence, and we are his beloved child, each of us. His love for you is infinite and perfect and unconditional. And so the question is not whether God is pouring that love over you. The question is, is are we willing to receive it? Are we willing to allow God to pour his life into each one of us? It's an invitation. God will not uh, overtake us. Right. Uh, without our, our our permissive, will we permit him to do that? We have to invite him into our lives. And are we doing that? Are we open to the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah, amen. so we've been baptized. I think the vast majority of you that have heard this uh, program today are baptized. You know, let's renew our baptismal promises. Let's, let's re-initiate uh, ourselves in that relationship. We don't have to get baptized again because we don't do that. But we need to open ourselves up more fully today than we ever have to this baptism of the Lord and the great sacrament of baptism. Let's ask our Blessed Mother to intercede on our behalf. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.